Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... This episode of the Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Picture Book Summit. Do you dream of creating picture books that'll change a child's life? I know I do. Learn how to find your voice at Picture Book Summit, a world-class online conference for picture book authors and illustrators. You can join Picture Book Summit on Saturday, October 3rd, 2020 for keynotes from their award-winning best-selling lineup, including author-illustrator Sophie Blackall, author Lisa Klein-Ransom, and author-illustrator Peter H. Reynolds. Register by August 12th and get $100 off the regular price at picturebooksummit.com slash winner. That's picturebooksummit.com slash winner. we'll talk about that and of course we'll talk about this book and Olga's gorgeous work in it and um (laughs) right and uh debut whenever it's like a debut picture book author is turning in work like this blows my mind um (laughs) so yay yay for when picture book magic happens it's much more than a parody it's an expression of the collectiveness of the drag community This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 613. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today, I'm talking to Little Miss Hot Mess about her debut picture book, The Hips on the Drag Queen Go Swish, Swish, Swish. Little Miss Hot Mess has been performing in drag for many years now, more than the age of her readers at Drag Queen Story Hour. But it's because of those readers and those story hours that led to the creation of this picture book. Set to the tune of the wheels on the bus, Little Miss Hot Mess's invitation to swish, stomp, shimmy, snap, and bling pairs with the vibrant and energetic art of Olga de Dios to create a moment with readers full of fun, fabulousness, and truth. Please welcome my guest, Little Miss Hot Mess, author of The Hips on the Drag Queen, Go Swish, Swish, Swish. I'm Little Miss Hot Mess. Uh, I go by she or her in drag. Um, And I'm a drag queen with Drag Queen Story Hour, and I just published my very first children's book, The Hips on the Drag Queen, Go Swish, 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 uh, which was illustrated by Olga de Dios and published by Running Press Kids. Yay! Welcome! I'm so glad you're here! <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited <laughs> to be here. I was saying giddily before we started recording 
that that I've lived with the hips on the drag queen for some time, all the way uh, back to when we were in school and when I was with my fourth grade podcasters and we were all so excited about this book. I believe it was uh, this book and Rain Boy that we were looking at by Dylan Glenn um, at the same mm-hmm. time. And um, uh, then then we went on quarantine and, and I'm grateful to be doing this podcast with you. And as I said, I've got a lot of their reactions still in my brain that I can't wait to share with you. Um, especially Excellent. especially I'm now so that excited. we can't really be in front of kids, right? I know. It's so bizarre. It's so bizarre. You have a children's book, but you can't be in front of them. Well, you could do virtually, but... It's yep. there is a very very special thing, and you know this from doing Drag Queen Story Hour that you've you've gotten to be with kids. Can I ask mm-hmm. first for you to describe uh, or book talk as we say the hips on the drag queen? What is this book? So the hips on the drag queen is sort of a parody of the wheels on the bus, although I think it's much more than a parody. Um, It basically kind of walks kids through some of the different things that drag queens do. So the hips go swish, the shoulders go shimmy, the fingers go snap. It all ends with the dance going twirl, twirl, twirl. Um, And for me, it's really a way of introducing kids to drag that isn't like drag 101, here's the definition of a drag queen, but really gets them moving and, and embodying drag and feeling like it, like they could be a drag queen if they wanted to be, um, and to kind of find that little bit of creative spark inside themselves. You, with the help of Olga, of course, have such wonderful drag queens in this book, such um, different variations in, in flair and fabulousness and presence and and um fantasy and Mm -hmm. i i have both as i said in in my mind the reactions of my fourth graders as well as the reactions of my five-year-old who just said wow daddy she really looks like a princess or i really love her green (laughs) ears or look how her blue hair goes all the way down to her knees there were just so many wonderful reactions that um i wonder to to what degree did did your experience in drag inform the art in this book or was it like typical picture books where you wrote this story or pitched this story and then Olga completely did their thing on the art? Well, I feel really lucky. I mean, yeah, many authors I'm told do not really get much say or influence in their illustrations. Um, But I really pushed hard for Olga originally um you know my publisher sort of let me suggest some folks and i actually hadn't seen olga's work but a friend recommended her um books in spanish to me and i looked at them and so many of her other books are about like kind of cute and quirky monsters and there was just something about that that screamed drag to me you know (laughs) as opposed to some of like the the typical illustrations that are out there that could either be kind of like soft or like a little too disney like i knew i wanted that feeling of coloring outside the lines a little bit and just having a little bit, it's like just being a little rough around the edges. Um, so yeah, then when it came time to actually, when she was on board and we were we were actually working on the book, I mean, she, I sent her some images of some of my friends in drag. I mean, I've been doing drag for about 12 years now. So I just sort of sent pictures of folks in my community and she totally ran with it. Um, so I mean, if you know, especially the San Francisco drag scene, which is where I kind of came up in drag, you might recognize a few resemblances. Although 
for any legal purposes. They're wholly <laughs> coincidental. Um, but, but she really just ran with it and, I mean, brought so much to it. And and one thing especially that she kind of came up with was um, as it progresses, as the book progresses, the town starts off kind of gray and gets more colorful, not just because of the queens, but they kind of trail this, these rainbows behind them. And you can kind of see like the townspeople joining in. And that was all her. Um, so yeah, it's really been a treat to, to get to see her illustrations come to life. They, they really are the most vibrant, the most wonderful. And it's so cool to hear that they are, hmm, that the queens in this book are inspired by, uh, folks in your (laughs) life. (laughs) They are are mere coincidental resemblances or, or what have you. But again, just, just the, the... The, the opportunity for each queen in this book to have an opportunity to be um, sort of leading whatever the next stanza is of that hair on the drag queen goes up, up, up. And then to have that uh, accompanied on the on the following page with all of these different hair styles or all of these different um, elements of bling or of movement or of blush, I thought, <laughs> again, was just it was just a beautiful way to wordlessly communicate how how the drag community is is huge and varied and that there's no one way to do this and i thought again like so so simplistic and and so effective and 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 beautiful oh thanks for saying that and yeah i mean that is one of the magical things about drag is that i mean Every person is unique, but every drag queen is certainly unique and expresses themselves <laughs> in, you know, whatever way we can. And, um, and and I mean, in some ways, it is also like a drag show, you know, like a typical drag is. show is often, you know, one performer, one performer, one performer. Sometimes everyone gets on stage together, even if it's just for bows or something like that. And so, yeah, I think it, it does give kids that sense of of the the collectiveness of the drag community. Um, and, and even though I sort of say, you know, that, that characters are based on real people, it, a lot of them too are also kind of composites and, you know, I knew I wanted at least one bearded drag queen and I knew I wanted some that felt really pretty and some that felt really princessy and some that felt kind of punk and, and I just wanted to capture as many of those little kind of subgenres of drag as we could. That's a great way to put it. I, my daughter in particular was drawn to the one that sort of looks like Catwoman or something sort of that that's the where mm-hmm. I came up with that word the, the fantasy element that just sort of feels yep. like oh this is like a superhero versus this um person looks more like a, a a different creature because of the the green skin so playing in like an otherworldly feeling or mm-hmm. um or, or uh <laughs> my daughter said of the one on the bling page oh daddy she's really a queen <laughs> like, <that's, laughs> you're not wrong um yep but yep. I pictured too- well, and that's the thing too is that kids like when I meet them with drag queen story hour I never fully know you know what they make of drag or who they think I am but every now and then you know a kid will say you're like a real princess or or I I kind of get the sense that they might think I'm like a Disney princess come to life or a hmm. superhero or you know I think there's or, or a movie star like I think there are these different models that kids have and and drag kind of both taps into them and also confuses them a little bit, but in a way that's interesting and productive. Yeah, in a way that that gives their brain that 
that new thing to work on. I haven't seen someone like you in my world before. How am I going to process this? Which is, I think, why it's such a beautiful marriage to have Drag Queen Story Hour, because we, we learn so much about ourselves and others through stories. This is not new news, but to have right. the storyteller themselves look and feel different from us, uh, no matter how that that is, I think is a really powerful thing. So in this case, to be able to have uh, to, to, I have not been to, I've been to many drag shows and drag brunches and drag bingos. I have never mm-hmm. been shamefully to a drag queen story hour. Uh, and oh, no. I, I won't be for, I, I've been to some virtual ones now, but I won't be for some right. time now because we, we, we can't do that. But, um, I have a good number of friends that have helped to organize some in their community or bring their kids to theirs. And, mm-hmm. um, and, the feedback both of the stories that you and other drag queens are centering through drag queen story hour, as well as the feeling of being in community with, with other families and folks uh, with that queen sharing these stories. is just something that, that really makes me jealous for everyone that gets to go. Yeah. I mean, it makes me jealous of all the kids who, who get to start doing this when they're oh. <laughs> three or three months old. You know, I mean, I wish that as a kid, I was able to do that as well. Do you, can you remember, I don't know where you were involved in the start of Drag Queen Story Hour, but can you remember when you started to be involved in it and how, how that looked to be stepping into that space and then watch it evolve over time? Yeah, so I mean, Drag Queen Story Hour was actually founded by Michelle T, who is a queer author, uh, memoirist, and um, she had been running a literary and arts organization in San Francisco called Radar Productions. And she actually ended up leaving San Francisco and leaving the organization to move to LA. But right before that, she wrote a grant, um, largely because she had recently had a kid and was looking for kind of family-friendly LGBT events to go to with her kid and was having trouble finding them. Um, and so I had just actually left San Francisco for New York. And so I was watching all these friends of mine doing this program that looked amazing and <laughs> felt like I had, you know, left just like a little bit too soon. Um, but then Michelle was coming to New York to do an event for one of her own books and asked me if I wanted to do an event at the Brooklyn public library. And so of course I said, yes. And I mean, the rest is her story. I, I love it. I thought that this was like a total game changing program. And um, I got involved in, you know, sort of becoming one of the primary queens in the New York City chapter. And then more recently, um, I moved to LA, but I've also been helping to kind of pull together a national network of Drag Queen Story Hour chapters. So, you know, chapters kind of vary from like, very highly organized to maybe just like one queen and one library partnering up, but we have about 50 chapters around the country and the world. And so we're just trying to do as much as we can to, to help everyone, you know, learn from each other and also help new chapters form when they want to and, and just really keep the program thriving and and moving forward. Yeah. The hands and feet of that network are a beautiful thing to see it it grow and have strength (laughs) that way. Hey there, book nerds. You know what's even better than hearing bookmakers share stories of how their ideas became the stories you love? Having those stories in your home. 
your classroom, your library, or your life to be enjoyed over and over. Bookshop.org allows you to purchase your favorite books from the show and support local bookstores while doing it. I even maintain lists of all the books shared each season, so it's easy to find what you're looking for. Visit MatthewCWinner.com and click on Shop, or use the link in the show notes to find your next favorite story. But I'm realizing, Little Miss Hamas, that we've talked for like 15 minutes on an audio format, and so much of, of I think, how children, how certainly I have engaged with other queens is is with a visual element. So could I ask, like, if we were, if you were doing a, a story hour today and we logged mm-hmm. on and got to see you, could you describe yourself? I know fashion changes, styles change. We all are changing the way we look all the time. But how do you look today? Today, I would probably be wearing my big blonde wig. I have this kind of new wig that's very 80s with bangs and (laughs) um, a huge poof in the back. And I usually wear sequins, especially when I'm doing um, events for kids and especially for live streams right now, because I feel like the, you know, the video captures those well. Um, I'm a little bit petite for a drag queen. I'm only five, six. Um, a lot of drag queens, or a lot of people often think about drag queens as kind of like these ginormous presences. And, and I think I am in, in personality, but maybe not in physicality. Um, <laughs> and I wear lots of jewelry and I wear lots of makeup. And when I'm out in the world, I wear big shoes. Although again, one of the thing, the perks of being home is that you don't have to wear shoes when you're doing <laughs> drag anymore. Uh, so often I'm barefoot, but I mean, my, my aesthetic, it does vary, but um, I do kind of like leaning into what I sometimes perceive to be um, an archetypical or stereotypical um, librarian kind of role. Like I like to wear kind of big glasses and, and often bejeweled as, uh, glasses as well. Um, I love yeah, this so connection. That's, that's We've got a librarian <laughs> connection here. That's not a yes, bad thing I at mean, all. I don't know if it's, I don't, maybe it's a little <laughs> wrong for me to admit that I do a little bit of librarian cosplay, but I, for me, it's kind of fun and I think it helps. <laughs> it does help that transition for kids. I think sometimes too. <laughs> I love that. I never would have gone there. That's so wonderful. Probably because <laughs> what I'm so used to being from outside of Baltimore is when we see big glasses and sequins, we tend to go like Baltimore Huns. Um, so it's mm. so wonderful to hear. I, it's really wonderful to hear a librarian connection. I'm not going to lie. Um, but also to know <laughs> that, funny. you know, the two great things about being virtual is that not only do you not have to wear shoes, but we all look tall on the internet. That's true. So that, <laughs> it's a great thing. <laughs> well, I <laughs> let me let me hop back into uh, this book and and how the story evolved because I have seen, I will admit that I have seen around the time of first starting quarantine, a video of you showing the dance, how to read and perform the hips on the drag queen goes swish, swish, swish. I wonder if Mm -hmm. this story came from just doing a lot of drag queen story hours or if it evolved in a different way. Really, I'm, I'm sort of perpetually curious as to what, draws folks to tell stories to children so i don't know how you want to approach that question but but what how, what whatever brought you here is what i want to hear yeah i mean so it actually did start off as a song that i would sing to kids or sing with kids at live story hour events and 
I guess that's because our first few events, I was just reading books, which was great, but I, I felt like we, I wanted something a little more interactive. I wanted, and I wanted to give kids like a little bit more of a taste of what drag was about because I mean, at the time there weren't any books about drag queens for kids that I'm aware of. Um, and so, you know, sometimes we started off often reading like feminist fairy tales and then the library kind of grew into, you know, books that might have some LGBT themes or other themes about social justice or kind of related topics. Um, but I, yeah, I wanted kids to, to have that, that kind of intuitive embodied sense of what drag was. And I mean, I don't, I wish I remembered exactly when I first started singing it, but I, I remember being either on a subway ride or a taxi ride to one of the events and just thinking through the songs that, you know, I remembered from being a kid and trying to think of ways to just give them a little bit of a spin. Um, And this one just popped into my head. And um, I mean, I called it the hips on the drag queen go swish, 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 because I think that's the first line that I came up with, or at least it's certainly the one that stuck the most with for me. And yeah, I mean, I, I just, I loved getting to watch kids switch their hips and having that be okay. I mean, partly because, you know, I was a swishy kid growing up. I was always a little bit too feminine, a little bit too queer, even though it took me a long time to come out. And, you know, I was teased for that a little bit and it was discouraged by my parents and things like that. So I think for me, it it was a way to empower kids to do something that might feel a little bit scary or a little bit risky or a little bit, you know, uncool, um, but getting getting to really encourage that in kids, even if it's just for that, you know, the three minutes where we sing the song, it, it felt like a really special moment for me and for them. Well, um, I, and then, oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, I think being in front of a group of children, you also right away get to learn about them because without a doubt, they all swish a different way. They all stomp a different way, don't they? So they they are expressing their personality through through that connection as well. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly like what it means or how it feels to swish in your body is different from how it feels for me to swish in my body. And, and maybe some kids like it and some kids don't, don't, or maybe some kids really like snapping their fingers, but they don't like shimmying their shoulders. And that's all great too, you know, and, and I think that's one of the great things of having a different drag queen kind of lead each verse is that not everything has to be for everybody, but but part of drag is is always about trying something and always about taking a little bit of a risk. And so, yeah, whether that's swishing your hips or shimming your shoulders or trying a twirl, it, it never hurts to just give it a try once. So did you have to, I'm, I, I feel like this is probably a rhetorical question, but did you also, um, when you first showed the world Little Miss Hot Mess, did you also have to spend time finding your swish and finding your twirl and finding your stomp? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, in some ways, I think all those things were already within me. And I I think that's true of many drag queens. I mean, some drag queens do talk about themselves as more of a character. But for me, I've always just felt like Little Miss Hot Mess is a different side of myself or or often really not that different of a side of myself. Um, And I, I do think that's true for many performers. I mean, I think like a sort of classic definition of drag situates it as as impersonation or exaggeration or satire. But for me, drag, like drag always has an element of truth. And, and maybe it's like a very small kernel or maybe 
it's really like what you see is what you get, but there, the, the beauty of it comes from that mixture of kind of humor and silliness with that important part of sincerity. And so I, I think that that's also an important thing for kids to hopefully pick up somewhat subtly from this book as well. Well, I think that's probably what, what also makes this book work so well and what working with children is all about. If there's, if there's not sincerity, I mean, in that way, um, mm -hmm. performing in drag is, is not different. I mean, it seems like a very natural connection to work with children because, because you need to be sincere because when you're not, they know it, or at least from my mm -hmm. vantage point teaching for however many years, I feel like I, they know it when I'm not being real with them, when I'm withholding, yep. when I'm trying to present differently to them than who I am or what what is true for me they know it mm -hmm. and some exactly. of that might be they perceive me as I don't know trying to protect them but the other is certainly that they they could perceive me as keeping something from them so I, I think that right. modeling that and and this book as well does that I love to go back to Olga's beautiful work that for me part of what makes it so beautiful is that she remembers all the details. She remembers uh, mm -hmm. the facial hair and the different body sizes. And she remembers the tattoos. And she remembers uh, the, right. the different, just the different ways that her characters and your characters move about the world. I, I, I can't imagine what it is like to create illustrations because I'm a person that creates with words. To create illustrations mm -hmm. where... You're going to follow those characters throughout this book. And even though they're not going to actively tell you the story or whatever, I know you're going to be watching them. So let me continue to show you how they exist from one page to the next to the next. Olga just keeps all of them centered and, 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 and just present in the book. It's, it's, it's something that I think all the time about how, when I, when I read to a, a group of children, I don't know how their eyes are tracking and what they're following and how soon mm -hmm. I should turn the page or whatever. But this is a book <laughs> totally. where, where, as my daughter did, you can follow queens through the book and see how do they carry themselves through this story and how is it different or the same from how another queen does or how you might yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, again, Olga's illustrations are incredible. <laughs> I'm and, feeling it. I'm and feeling like the... <laughs> we could just do like a love fest for Olga. This is happening. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, and that's the funny thing too, is that I mean, normally I can be a little bit of a control queen. I have a lot of opinions and really like she just sent the illustrations and I was like, these are phenomenal. Like I have yeah. very little feedback and it was just tiny little tweaks here and there. But I, I mean, and I, I guess I'll say too that some of the feedback that I got from kids was like, they wanted to know more about these characters. Like it was actually actually Olga's idea too to put um, to give the kind of like profiles in the end papers, which maybe you actually haven't seen yet. If you I only haven't have seen the FNG, them, no. But, um, yeah, in the end papers, they you know they just each have like a little um, portrait, but it has a name for each character, which was something I hadn't planned to do to do. Um, but so many kids have really responded well to the names, and you know it's kind of each of the featured queens for the verses gets a name, but then there's a handful of queens that are kind of like supporting characters. And I've had many friends of mine write to me and tell me that their kids were not upset, but they were very like curious as to what these other characters names were. Cause they just wanted oh. to know everything about all of them. And 
yeah, their, their backstory and who they were. And so I think you're totally right. Like they totally are tracking all these little details across the page. And, and that's so special. Look how they're studying your book. And more importantly, look how they're loving your book to care so much mm-hmm. that they're like, wait, but you didn't name these individuals. Who are they? Exactly. That's so, that's so great. I, yeah. I, you know, it brings me into the thought of, of how we find names and you sort of, uh, I think earlier said you sort of felt like there was always little miss hot mess in there for you that, that, that just sort of came naturally. That name, was that a name that, that you had been holding on to, or did the name take work? Naming things is a hard thing. Yeah. Well, so the name little miss hot mess, is I like to say it's a name that I earned when I was in my early twenties and <laughs> definitely a bit more messy than I was now. So it, <laughs> if, if you heard all those stories, that would not be the most kid friendly um, narrative. That's but, okay. We can appreciate yeah, the I, journey. Exactly. So that was a journey that I was on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I remember when I started doing drag, I don't think I'd really thought about what my name would be. And I, basically just asked a queen who ran a show that I really liked if I could join. And she said, yes. And then she asked me for my name and it was kind of one of those moments of like, uh, but yeah, a little bit hot mess. It was a nickname that I had picked up along the way and felt very appropriate for a drag name. Um, but when it came to naming the characters of the book, I mean, that was truly one of the most fun parts of it because it was a bit of a challenge, a fun challenge to get to think of names that, honored that spirit of drag, which is often about puns or wordplay or just, you know, general silliness and and cultural references, but trying to find ways that those would be funny to kids. And um, so, you know, some of the names are things like Mother Lucy Goosey, Cinderfella, Stinker Bell, uh, (laughs) Peanut Butter Gelee, Rosie Ringaronda. So like there, I tried to think of things that, that, you know, kids would be familiar with and would find funny but but that's one of the challenges too, I think, with Drag Queen Story Hour in general that I appreciate is that kids have a very particular sense of humor and a lot of the kind of common tricks of the trade with drag, like, you know, kind of subtlety or sarcasm, aren't things that kids necessarily pick up on, but right. it but it means that like you have to kind of amplify it and make it really over the top and really giggly and and you know, I I've worked a little bit as like a camp counselor and I've never taught in schools properly, but I've, you know, been a teacher's aide or things like that. And, and I do have that sense that, yeah, like with young kids, the second you start giggling, they'll start giggling along just for the fun and the silliness of it. And, and so I'm, I try to sort of bring some of that into the names as well. Yeah. It's being with kids is communal. We, we want to share exactly. experiences and they want you, they want you to know that they're on your side always. Exactly. It's such a sweet thing. Exactly. I, you know, the the Drag Queen Story Hour logo is on this book, and it made me hopeful from the moment I saw it that this might just be the first of many books to come. Do you have do you have any interest in making more? Or are you working on more? Or is the organization or, or folks in the organization working on books for children? I think it's a it's a beautiful thing. Yes, yes to all of the above. Wonderful. Um, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I'm, we're actually pitching some new books right now. So there might be some more um, in the same vein. And I've also worked on a couple narrative books. So I'm hoping that those all find their way out to the world soon or soon rather than later. Um, And then Michelle T, the the author who founded Drag Queen Story Hour, um, she actually has an imprint with Feminist Press based out of New York. Um, 
that's it's a drag queen story hour imprint. So it's not all books about drag queens, but the idea is that it's all books about social justice and diversity um, and LGBT themes that, you know, could be read at drag queen story hour. So I know there's other queens too who have expressed interest in writing books and I can't wait to see all of those as well. Well, I think all of us listening, I would like to think <laughs> I'm going to talk for me. I can't wait <laughs> to see yeah. uh, more of those books. I will look forward to hearing more about that in the future. But for now, little miss hot mess, I'm so sad to say, I think it's time for us to wrap up our time together. I had a really lovely time with you. Thank you so much for sharing your story with me, but more importantly, for sharing your story with the world. It's needed and beautiful, and it's got a really fun, like, spot glass cover that has glitter on it that is really fun to run your fingers over. So for all of those (laughs) things, thank you for all of it. Oh, thank you so much for having me and for asking such thoughtful questions. I mean, I've done a lot of interviews, but it's it's nice to get to talk to someone who works with kids on the regular and, and gets to see things from their perspective a little bit more. Well, when and however we do it, we'll have to email you a video of of us doing our hips on the drag queen dance when we're all yeah, together, yes. whether it's, again, over Zoom or something. We'll find a way to, to share that. something with you just so we can send a little bit of a thank you back to you. And I hope that others, um, you know, others reading books are finding ways to share back to the authors and illustrators that they're connecting with as well. So um, on our final note, let me give you a chance to speak directly to those readers. And I'll say it this way. I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? I would tell kids to be themselves to speak out boldly and to color outside the lines. And for me, that's because drag is, it's all about going against the grain, going against the norm and finding, you know, the voice inside you that wants to do things a little bit differently and standing up for that. I mean, drag queens are, we're, we're queens, we're royalty, we're over the top creatures, not because anyone else, tells us we are but because we make it so it's because we put on a pair of heels or walk down a runway or get on a stage and and it's all about kind of finding that confidence and boldness within yourself and you know I think whether you grow up to be a drag queen or not taking just a little bit of that confidence and a little bit of that willingness to shake things up a little bit is something that everyone can do and something that the world certainly needs right now. So that, that might be a lot that might be a long message to convey, but hopefully the book helps with that as well. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by me, Matthew Winner, in my library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over six hundred episodes at MatthewCWinner.com. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the free music archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and don't reflect the ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Become a patron, and you can directly impact and help to sustain the podcast. Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that is a very good thing indeed.
We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.